0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10:01 AM Pacific Daylight Time. It is the very first of November 2022 and this is episode 637 of Bitcoin and TikTok next block time is clipping bro. We got two months, two months until we see the first dawn of 2023. Got to ask yourself, is it going to be better? Is it going to be worse? Is it going to be boring? Or is it possible that it could actually be more interesting? I'm going with choice number four. I think it's actually going to be even more interesting than what we've been uh, given over the last uh, few years. And and honestly, dude, that's <laughs> saying something. So I'm going to go ahead and start this show out with boostograms. Why? Because I got a very, very, very interesting boostogram, And I want to read it to you, but only after I read the other ones. Let me get to them. Where's my Boosts? All right, here we go. We're going to start with... Okay, Fatoshi, I'm getting to you. I, I promise I'm not skipping you, okay? you're. I'm putting you last because we got a discussion about this. Letter 6173 with a Striper Boost. Epic episode, 100% truth, bro. Thank you. I appreciate that. Shark the line with a thousand. Sat says, if they want amnesty, at least they're admitting they committed a crime. I'm with you, though. They can suck Satan's... And then we got an eggplant emoji. Bit happens, 1331, 560 sats. Listen to Bitcoin and for years. The content is nothing short of great, David. You're like an aspiring Rogan or Jones. We Bitcoiners may be remiss to not occasionally adopt conspiracy 101 ideology. Got some treats and more yet, but right now we should all stop everything and go see a 90s kids show called Reboot. Specifically, the last few episodes of season one prior to an election cycle. Also a deleted scene from Terminator 2 where Miles Dyson has a sticky note on his screen that says bit happens and the show Continuum. Yeah, dude, I was a big fan of Continuum. That was a great show and it really sucks that they, well, that that they canceled it. I mean, it was really good. And I did not notice the Miles Dyson sticky note that says bit happens. But um, yeah, T2 is actually a very, a really, really good movie. I ha- I know nothing about the 90s kids show called Reboot. I will go look for that and see what you're talking about on that one. Uh, Fatoshi with 500 sats not getting to him yet because uh, he doesn't have a note on that one. Uh, aceris underscore btc is one of my good friends on twitter 333 sats Uh, regarding the 1031 date of the white paper could it also be a nod to the purported date of martin luther's nailing of his 95 theses to the door of the all saints church in wittenberg on october the 31st 1517 yes absolutely Because after I was talking about that on the show, I saw lots of references to the fact that that happens to be the date when Martin Luther, quote unquote, published his 95 Theses. And when I mean publish, (laughs) I mean nailing it to the church door. That's publishing. That's when you put it all on the line. You stand At the door of the church, these big oaken doors, they are not for the faint hearted and use an iron spike to nail a handwritten parchment in front of God and country to the door of the church. You want to talk about somebody that had some guts? Martin Luther, dude, that motherfucker was the real deal. So yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to go with that. I think I'm going to totally trash my boo thesis and I'm going to go with following in the footsteps of Martin Luther saying, no more, we're not doing this. You guys have been screwing us for decades, if not in Martin Luther's case, centuries, and we're not going to do it anymore. We're going to reform. We're going to start the reformation and it begins with me nailing this piece of paper to your door. In broad daylight. Again, man had some serious guts, bro. (coughs) User, shit ton of numbers. 100 sats, no note. Uh, Jaff 2100 says, lovely, keep up. Nice episodes, a lot of rich info. Thanks a lot. Uh, you're, You're welcome, dude. I'm glad that you enjoy that. Fatoshi is replying to that that says, amen. Now, let's get to Fatoshi. 5,000 sats. Love the show. You know I love the show, but you can guess what's coming. I totally respect your reaction to that pompous piece on COVID. She sounds evil and insecure, but we didn't know. What if COVID killed kids? What if COVID killed kids? We didn't know. The flu pandemic killed kids. COVID could have killed babies. Totally agree that the mix of public health crises and social media virtue signaling created a class of people whose damage on our kids will play out over the next 80 years. Fatoshi continues with a reply to that. He says, it's a horrific situation created by our own willingness to conform. Fear of nonconformity, fear of living, fear of nature, and ease of information manipulation. I wish we could have clear data-driven news and policy but we can't. We should have stopped COVID apologists in their tracks. They loved the power. Nothing was thought through. I'm just ranting because my original post was a bit strong. Thank God that COVID didn't kill kids' love. Okay. Fatoshi, thank you. I really, and I don't think you understand when I say the following. I really appreciate what you said. Because honestly, that's the first pushback to any rant I've had. I've been doing this thing for four years, okay? I've only been on Podcasting 2.0. I was actually one of the earliest adopters, but when you're an early adopter, you don't get a a lot of play. It's taken Adam Curry and a lot of people talking about Podcasting 2.0 a lot of time for me to start getting really, really kick ass feedback in a format that I can digest, okay? So that said, your pushback is appreciated. I, I, I'm i glad somebody disagrees with me because I think that that's what you're doing and that's okay, fine. I it's There's no way that I or anybody else is going to be right about 100% of the things, 100% of the time. There's always nuance. My sister says, there's never black and white. It's always shades of gray. That's basically saying there's nuance. I get it. However, this is my pushback. Life as humans have lived it and all animals live it. Okay. Because we are animals, but we are the grandest of animals. So we kind of transcend the quote unquote, the animal. right. I get that part. Kind of divine, if and if you don't believe in God, that's fine too. Uh, then pick some other word where we're elevated you yeah, from all the rest of the animals. But nature doesn't give a shit. Nature doesn't care about you. Nature doesn't care about the elephant who broke his leg. Nature doesn't give a shit about the lion that is so old he can't hunt for himself anymore. And what happens? His own children turn him out. And he gets either killed by something that wants to extract revenge on lions, or he falls off a cliff or just dies of dehydration or starvation. Okay. None of this shit is fair. None of it is. And we always forget this. We, and I'm guilty of it as much as anybody else. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't like it. Right? But I live on a planet that is designed to fucking kill your ass. Why? Because if you survive long enough to have progeny, then your strength to get to that point is passed on to the people that you have created. The children that you have spawned into the universe. This is the way evolution works. And I truly believe that God created evolution as a tool. And actually, I don't even think he created evolution. It's just how God works, is my opinion. And evolution is one of the most brutal, fundamentally dastardly things that you'll ever witness. Baby birds falling out of their nest. There, was, there may have been a problem with that baby bird. What we see as humans, is, oh my God, a little baby. It's a baby. It's a baby bird. Yeah, it pulls on the heartstrings. Nature doesn't have heartstrings. Nature doesn't give a shit if it's a human that gets COVID and it dies. If it's a baby human that gets COVID and dies, it just does not fucking care. And we always forget this. Nobody is forcing us to remember just how dangerous it is to live on planet Earth. I'm not saying that what, you know, that your disagreement with me is wrong, it's 100% right. Because without these conversations, we don't get to really pull apart the truth. But my truth is, is that I still am going to stick by my guns on this. There was a point at which it became very evident about midway through this entire thing that something wasn't right. And it was at that point that the people that kept pushing for people to lose their jobs, to lose their businesses, time and time again, over and over and over. We had one, there were several places that they lifted the lockdowns, and the people that, that had businesses and survived were crushed by the next lockdown. They just couldn't make the second one or the third one. And it depends on the state and the city and all that kind of stuff. It was a, mosaic. It was a patchwork of what was going on around the country. It wasn't 100% the same thing everywhere. Thank God. That's why we have states. But I digress. My, my point is, is that there was a point in which we were looking around going, what? None of this makes sense anymore. And yet they persisted. And it was those that persisted in the bullshit, in the bullshit, that I have a major problem with, right? I wore a mask. When the first, when this shit first hit, okay, it was, for us in the panhandle of Texas, it was March of 2020. And that's when the shit hit the fan. That's when Governor Abbott called it and said, fuck it, we're locking down, everything's closed, of course, except liquor stores and one other thing. But restaurants and small businesses, no, 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 no. All that shit was closed. I did my part, man. I wore a mask. I wasn't going to wear a mask inside my own house, and I certainly didn't wear it inside my own damn car, but I was gracious enough to at least wear it so that it didn't freak all the people out. I knew that the mask didn't do anything. There's a physical size to viruses. There is a physical pore size to surgical masks. And even in 95 masks, which were apparently the only ones that worked, except most people weren't wearing those masks correctly. So if you didn't wear it correctly, they didn't work. I did my bit for King and Country and a lot of us did, but after a while it became very evident that something was not right. And when I saw people Posting, there was a Toronto, it was a Toronto Star had a headline that said, or a a headline piece that said, I no longer have any care whatsoever for the unvaccinated, let them die. That's the thing. Fatoshi, what you're talking about is, yeah, is it could have killed babies. And there was, was a time that we didn't know. I 100% agree with you. It was after that that it became evident that there was some weird shit going on and it kept going on and they're still pushing. They're still pushing. Supreme court has allowed the, what the federal uh, travel, whoever handles airplanes and shit like that, that they get to call the ball on whether or not people have to wear masks on planes and ships and trains and all that kind of shit. Supreme court upheld that. I, it was the first, you know, that it was, well, it was yesterday. October 31st was the first Monday in October, and it's from what I remember, that's the first day that the Supreme Court session starts is the first Monday in October. It happened to be Halloween, so boo. They're still doing it. You know, when is it going to end? At one point or another, we have to live with these viruses. Most of the DNA that is in your cells actually are external DNA over the millions of years of evolution. And most of them got planted there by the actions of viruses. Some of them have conferred some really good shit. Some of them will kill your ass. And I'm not going to sit here and say only the strong survive because it's not, that's, that's a misnomer. As far as evolution is concerned, it's not the strong survive because at that point it's who's strong, you know, who's strong. Those that survive? Well, who survives? Those that are strong. It's it's circular logic. It doesn't evolution never worked that way and it never will. Evolution works the following way. Who survives? Those that get to sexual maturity and have viable progeny. That's the survive. Right? We've done this For millions and millions and millions of years, even before humans were humans, even before we fell out of the fucking trees and started bashing each other's heads in because of something called money, we've been dealing with viruses on this planet. We have to. It's the way information flows or one of the ways that information flows around the world. I know that's, that's a really weird thing to say. But I guarantee you, this comes after a very long education in biology, a very, very long education in biology. Now I see biology in a completely different way. I see it as information flow. Sometimes that information will kill you. But enough on that. I will end this by saying I do very much 100% appreciate the disagreement. I can't be right all the time. I don't mind being wrong, and I don't mind being put in my place. But these are my thoughts. This is what I truly believe, right? It's not that I think you're wrong. It's just that I, this is the way I think. I don't even know if I'm right, and that's not the point. This is the way that I think. Not the way that I want to be right. Not the way that I want to be wrong. With all that said, let's get into something weird. Let's start this one off with even weirder shit than I was just talking about. MakerDAO co-founder Nikolai Mashigan dies at 29 in Puerto Rico. This is so strange. Helen Parts writing for Cointelegraph. Nikolai Meshigian, co-founder of the cryptocurrency lending platform MakerDAO and the decentralized DAI stablecoin was found dead in Puerto Rico last week. He died due to drowning after being dragged by sea currents on the Coronado Beach in San Juan, the local newspaper El Nuevo Dia reported. He had no vital signs by the time his body was rescued. The Coronado... Hold on, hold on. I got to do this right because a man's dead here. The Condado Beach is considered one of the world's most dangerous places for swimmers, reportedly taking the lives of at least eight people in 2021. The unfortunate event was reported to local authorities on the morning of October the 28th. According to the police report, he was a resident of San Juan. The scene was reportedly investigated by the San Juan Homicide Division and a local prosecutor. Michigan was an important figure in the crypto, uh, cryptocurrency community, contributing to multiple industry projects, with some referring to him as a die architect. The 29-year-old crypto developer is known for his work with maker Dow Forks, Rico, and Rye, as well as the proof-of-stake blockchain network BitShares. He is also a co-founder of the Automated Market Maker Balancer. MakerDAO founder and CEO Rune Christensen took to Twitter on October the 31st to say that Michigan contributed important inputs to Maker's development and has done some crucial work since the early days of Ethereum. Quote, Nikolai was one of the only people in the early days of Ethereum and smart contracts who was able to predict the possibility of smart contract hacks, And invented the security-oriented approach to smart contract design that we know today. Maker would have been toast without him. Cardano founder Charles Hoskinson wrote on Twitter that he knew Michigan from back in the BitShares days. Quote, he was a very young and extremely bright man who had a very wide array of interest from game theory to your bit, Hoskinson added. (coughs) Sorry, Hoskinson said, adding that the coder had a deep understanding of the technology. Tether co-creator Craig Sellers noted that Michigan's death came just a few days after the MakerDAO community voted to approve custody of $1.6 billion in USD coin with the Coinbase crypto exchange. This is where it starts to get weird. Okay. Up to now, we're just talking about the MakerDAO creator dying in Puerto Rico, but there's some weird shit going on with this. So let's, let's read this sentence again. This is where the weirdness starts. Craig Sellers noted that his death came just a few days after the MakerDAO community voted to approve custody of $1.6 billion in USD coin with the Coinbase crypto exchange. Michigan was an active community member on social media. His Twitter account, delete underscore shitcoin, has about 5,500 followers at the time of writing. His last tweet was published just a few hours before his death, referring to suggestions of alleged blackmail from the United States Central Intelligence Agency and in Mossad. Michigan previously made similar statements on Twitter, hinting at a potential suicide by the CIA as one of his possible futures. Okay. Yeah. So let's, they hinted at some of these tweets. Well, I've got two of them and there's actually quite a few of them, but I've dug these two up because I don't want to belabor the point. We have other news to get to, but here's the one that he wrote at 1 AM, my time, October the 28th, 2022 CIA and Mossad and pedo elite are running some kind of sex trafficking entrapment blackmail ring out of Puerto Rico and the Caribbean islands. They are going to frame me with a laptop planted by my ex-girlfriend who was a spy. They will torture me to death. Now, here's the second tweet that I got for you. Actually, there's three here. He starts this one. This, okay, the, the tweet that I want to read is a reply to, the fir- to, his, to uh, one of his other tweets, which I will read first. September the 4th, 2022. Sunday night, conditions met, surprise discovery, new opportunity. Now, all in on timeline shifting insanity index, quantum immortality, but for a human civilization... A bet that there is no future where negative sum banker global slave agenda doesn't end in extinction. Wish me luck. His reply to that is three possible futures for me. One, suicided by the CIA. Two, CIA brain damaged slave asset; Three. Worst nightmare of people who fucked with me up until now. I'm sure these are the only options and now he's dead. I, you know, I could put the tinfoil hat on, but I'm not sure I have to. Yes, that particular part of the beach uh, or that particular beach has indeed killed a lot of people. But the timing here, ladies and gentlemen, is just, I can't not see it. I can't, you know, I'm a Bitcoiner. I don't give a shit about MakerDAO. I don't fucking care about Ethereum. But what I do care about is a guy who's talking about being blackmailed by the CIA and Mossad with a planted laptop and his ex-girlfriend was a spy. And then there's all kind of, all of a sudden he injects pedophilia. And we know we where we live right now. We know something's going on. We know something's been going on and we know it's pretty vile and evil. We can't prove it. Just Lane Maxwell's little black book. I mean, she's thrown in prison. I'm surprised she ain't dead or suicided herself, right? Suicided. I'm putting it up in quotes. And yet she went to jail for trafficking children, sex, sexually, you know, but we don't know who she trafficked them to. What does that tell you? You think there's nothing going on behind the scenes there? Really? Yeah, there is. We just don't know what. We can't put our finger on it. We can make all, all we can do right now is make allegations. That's all we can do because we don't know a fucking thing. And every time somebody does say something, all of a sudden they end up dead. that's kind of convenient. I don't know, man. You know, and does Coinbase have anything to do with this? I don't think so. That timing was a little weird, but I don't think Coinbase has anything to do with it, but maybe they do. Who knows? I don't give a shit. I don't like Coinbase. The real one that's freaking me out here is is these two tweets about his ex-girlfriend, pedo ring out of Puerto Rico, the CIA, Mossad, and this description about that he's got three options. (sighs) And this one's weird. The number two, the, this second tweet and number two in the second tweet where he says CIA brain damage slave asset is one of his three possible futures. What does he mean by that? Does that mean, this, is, is it possible that he's thinking the CIA can go around and brain damage people in a way that makes them an asset? I don't know, man. That's kind of, that's some spooky shit right there. So I'm going to leave you with all that. We're going to go on to Twitter, all right? Because Twitter's in the news clearly. Uh, Twitter monetization and free speech drove Binance's $500 million injection, says CZ Coin Telegraph. Braden Lindere Lindria is his name. Uh, Binance CEO Sheng Peng Zhao has explained the reasoning behind its $500 million co-investment into Elon Musk's Twitter, citing monetization potential, crypto community free speech, and the opportunity to eventually help bring Twitter into Web3. I read all of this as a potential for shitcoin. That's all I see it as. CZ's comments came from an October 31st CNBC Squawk Box segment where he explained what drove his co-investment with Elon Musk to acquire the social media platform, noting, quote, I believe Twitter has not been monetized well. It has not grown well. There's many tactical problems like bots that spam my comments. Yeah, no shit. There's scammer accounts on there. It's not been run well, end quote. I agree, quote. But I also think the platform has huge value in itself. And especially now with Elon at the helm, we are very confident, he added. Binance has not wavered in its support for Musk's acquisition of Twitter since its first announced its support in May of 2022. Other co-investors include Sequoia Capital Fund, Fidelity Management and Research Company. The Binance CEO said Twitter's difficult price valuation did not impact its investment decision as they consider the long-term prospects to be strong while giving crypto a seat at the table when it comes to free speech. Quote, we're long-term investors. We believe in strong entrepreneurs. We believe in strong platforms. We believe in free speech. We look at this from a 10, 20, 50, 100-year basis, so a little price fluctuation on a monthly basis doesn't bother us, end quote. However, decisions as to what Twitter accounts are reactivated won't lie in the hands of Musk, who said that the new Content Moderation Council will bear the duty to determine what banned user accounts are restored. I'll are you kidding me? Do you know how many people have been banned? Are you are you insane? You're going to have the star chamber look at each and each and every individual request for reinstatement of their account? You're talking about hundreds of thousands of people. It's not going to happen, dude. So I guess the star chamber that they're talking about is only going to worry about, you know, people of value that got kicked off like, you know, Trump and uh, I don't know if Candace Owen is still on there, but you know, the, the, all the conservative people that got booted off of Twitter, you know, you know the, the, only, the, the people of value, because, you know, I've, I've made uh four, this'll be my fourth request to get my old Twitter account at B E N N D seven, seven reinstated. You think they're actually going to this going to go across the table of the star chamber? No, it's not. This is ridiculous however the billionaire entrepreneur confirmed in a tweet that the council the star chamber will exercise its discretion with widely diverse viewpoints cz says it invested as it also hopes to play a part in twitter's eventual transition to web 3 such as adding cryptocurrency based payments onto the social media platform quote we want to help solve those Intermediate problems like charging for membership. That can be done very easily by using crypto as a means of payment. Yeah, CZ, we know you have so many shitcoins in your inventory to unload. According to a Reuters report on October the 28th, the crypto exchange plans to create a dedicated team to work on potential crypto and blockchain-based solutions for Twitter. The new team will explore how to build on-chain solutions to address issues such as spam bot accounts. Binance's $500 million investment into Twitter makes them the fourth largest shareholder in the social media platform among 19 investors. Twitter is also no longer a publicly traded company, having been delisted from the New York Stock Exchange on October the 28th following Musk's decision to take the company private. A lot of people didn't see that coming. I knew that was coming because he said that was coming, but you can't buy Twitter stock. Not unless you're going to do it like with a personal deal with Musk. I'm sure that that's still possible, but as a, as your regular Joe on the street, you're not, you're not walking up to, you know, NASDAQ or, or I'm sorry, New York stock exchange and uh, getting that stock It's just not going to happen. And that's, I think more, I think that's really important for us to remember. But what we should also remember is that CZ and uh, Binance is not the only players in this game. Andreessen Horowitz temporarily helping Elon Musk with Twitter. Kate Irwin tells us more decrypt. (coughs) Silicon Valley's elephant in the room, the massive venture capital firm Andreessen Horowitz, also known as A16Z, is lending a helping hand to Twitter's new overlord, Elon Musk. Shuram Krishnan, a general partner at A16Z focused on crypto, shared a photo from Twitter's San Francisco office on Sunday afternoon with a note that he is helping out Elon Musk with Twitter temporarily with some other great people. Quote, I and A16Z believe this is a hugely important company and can have great impact on the world, and Elon is the person to make it happen, he added. This isn't Krishnan's first time at Twitter HQ. As noted on his LinkedIn page, he worked at Twitter for three years in the San Francisco area from 2017 until 2019. While at Twitter, Kirshnan worked on various consumer products such as Twitter's events features. Um, His profile also touts that he helped grow the number of Twitter users by over 20% in about two years. Before Twitter, he worked at Snap, Facebook, and Microsoft. Now that he's back at Twitter, it's not fully clear what specific features Krishnan is working on. In response to a request from Decrypt, Krishnan declined to comment further. Andreessen Horowitz's interest in Twitter makes sense considering its bullishness in Web3, which is often defined as the next iteration of the internet where users can own digital assets, use shit coins, and even potentially regain control over their own data. Back in May, A16Z had over $7.6 billion invested in crypto and blockchain related projects. While its crypto fund is now down 40% compared to earlier this year, A16Z remains optimistic, though it remains to be seen whether its presence at Twitter will push the social media company into a more Web3 friendly direction. Whatever the fuck Web3 actually means, nobody knows. And if you say that they do, you're fooling yourself. Crypto exchange Binance put $500 million into Musk's Twitter purchase and told Decrypt that it's creating a team to help stop rampant bot activity. Binance CEO Shengpeng Zhao also told CNBC Monday that he support supports Musk's Twitter takeover because Musk is a strong entrepreneur. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, he's a strong entrepreneur, I guess. Unlike Discord, which walked back teased crypto features last year, Twitter has already launched a few crypto integrations. It added shitcoin number one and Bitcoin wallet address fields to its tipping feature and released NFT verification for Twitter blue buyers, turning profile pictures into hexagon shapes to mixed reviews. But don't get too excited about the possibility of a fully Web3 Twitter just yet. While Musk initially said he once wanted to see Twitter leverage blockchain networks, he later told a rep for FTX CEO Sam Bankman Fried via text message that blockchain Twitter isn't possible. That's okay. Well, you know, he's going to integrate along. That's why CZ Binance or or, uh, CZ and Binance is along for the ride. They have the inventory of shit coins and they're beating the living daylights out of every other exchange, including FTX. Sam Bankman fried is not the go-to guy here. It's shang Peng zhao because he's got no ethics. He's got no morals. He will push his inventory of wealth, destroying crap onto anybody who will buy it. He used to be better than this. He really did. But It's been a while. It's been a long time. Elon's going to do that, along with charging people 20 bucks a month to keep their blue checks. Although I saw a tweet between him and uh, Stephen King where he's haggling and asking if uh, Stephen King, if $8 is okay, because Stephen King apparently has problems ponying up 20 bucks a month to, uh, you know, keep his blue check. Honestly, why do you give a shit? All of the people that I find really cool on Twitter don't have blue check marks. There are some people that I still really like that are in the Bitcoin crowd that got blue check marks. I it's not that I wish that they didn't. It doesn't really phase me. But I don't look for blue checks. I just don't. I know when I'm or I knew when I was talking to Knut Svenholm I knew when I'm talking to Marty Bent. I knew when I was talking to pick any one of the OG Bitcoiners. I could tell by their writing. I could tell when people stole, sold their Twitter accounts because the writing timbre completely changed, right? I don't need a blue check. I just need to actually use my brain to figure out who the fuck this is on the other end of the Twitter account. But it goes on because, because after all that, I'm the captain now. Musk has chopped Twitter's board and has become a sole director. Cointelegraph Stephen Kate tells us about this one. Crypto-friendly billionaire Elon Musk has become the sole director of Twitter following the dissolution of nine former board members, according to newly filed documents. The SEC filing dated October the 27th. The consummation of Musk's takeover of Twitter came with the dissolution of Twitter's board members, including Brett Taylor, Parag Agrawal, Ahmed Kordinstani, David Rosenblatt, Martha Lane Fox, Patrick Pichette, Egon Durbin, Fifi Lee, and Mimi Alamayahu. <laughs> <laughs> Well, wow, that's a lot of people to chop on October the 27th, 2022. And as a result of the consummation of the merger, Mr. Musk became sole director of Twitter. The filing reads, the Tesla CEO later retweeted or rather later tweeted in a response to a Twitter user that the arrangement was just temporary bullshit. Previously, Musk has said the platform under his ownership will focus on free speech, eliminating spam bots and fake accounts, an edit function, and possibly even crypto payments. In the days since the Tesla CEO assumed ownership of Twitter, Musk has been very busy providing updates on what his new platform could bring to the table. He has already floated the idea of a monthly $19.99 payment to get the blue tick verification and bringing back Twitter's defunct short-term video service, Vines, which saw 69% of 5 million voters in favor of its comeback in an online poll. Quote, the whole verification process is being revamped right now, Elon Musk. Meanwhile, Musk also has declared the formation of a content moderation council. Yeah, I won't get into that shit. A crypto wallet is rumored to be in development as well, but Musk has not made any comments on whether this is true. Of course, the takeover has also seen CEO Paragawal, Finan- our chief financial officer, Ned Siegel, and head of legal and policy, J. Gaudi, all ousted from their executive roles for allegedly misleading Musk about the number of spam and fake accounts on the platform. Meanwhile, Twitter co-founder Jack Dorsey, who left Twitter's board in May and supported Musk's Purchase, appears to have doubled down on his stance by rolling over his stake of over 18 million shares worth around $975 million at buyout price of $54.20 into the new private company, according to a filing with the SEC dated October the 27th. The platform is a popular communication tool for crypto enthusiasts, blah, blah, blah. Must change his Twitter bio to chief of twit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On October the 31st, he changed his bio again to Twitter complaint hopline operator. And at one user's suggestion, made his profile picture of what appears to be him answering the phone as a small child. And in fact, he did do that. So, but the, all that shit at the end, don't, you know, don't forget what we started that, this piece off with. He fired the board of directors and he is now the sole director. He is the, he's the captain now. Is that good or bad? I don't know, dude, but I got to tell you, firing the board of directors is probably not the way that you want to go moving forward replacing them one at a time. I don't know. I don't know how to, you know, how he thinks. But honestly, firing the board of directors was the last thing that I would have thought of. But, you know, it is what it is. We're at 40 minutes. Let's go ahead and run numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. We've got oil. That's right. We've got oil. It's all up today. Well, except for natural gas. We'll get to that one. Uh, 2.18% to the upside for West Texas Intermediate, $88.42. Brent North Sea up two points to $94.72. Natural gas, on the other hand, is down well over 10 points in a singular move. Holy shit. $5.70 or 67 cents per thousand cubic feet. Gasoline, however, is the biggest winner today. 2.91% to the upside, pushing gasoline on a per gallon basis to $2.60. All the shiny metal rocks are up. Gold up scant. Well, okay. a Half a point. $1,649. Silver is up almost three points. Platinum is up two and a third point. Copper is up uh, two and three quarters of a point. Palladium is up two and a half. All agricultural futures are up except coffee, which has lost two points, but there's some big swings today. Uh, Wheat up 1.5%, soybeans up two, sugar up two and a quarter, cotton making the biggest move up 4.17 points, and rice up 4.12 points, so there you go. Dow is down a third of a point. S&P is down a third of a point. NASDAQ is down 0.88%. And S&P mini is the only one up 0.7% for the day so far. $20,433 is what one Bitcoin will set you back in fiat fun cash. That is after almost a million Bitcoin changed hands in the last 24 hours. 3.45 BTC is the average transaction value. Median transaction value is 0.023 BTC or about 460 bucks. Block times are low, nine minutes, 26 seconds. Uh, 0.09 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis, 13.7 taken in fees overall in the last 24 hour period. And holy shit. With an 11.36% jump in hash rate, we're up to, ladies and gentlemen, that's 295.86 exahashes per second. Lists, I'm actually going to go through and see if we're, is that an all-time high? Uh, it looks like 294.88 exahashes per second was an all-time high back at the, right around the first of the month uh october the eh, october the 10th i guess or something like that uh so we haven't quite hit it yet uh but see the thing is that the hash rate is saying a 295.8 i'm calling it new all time high i don't know what's going on with bitinfo charts charts but they're a little weird i'll uh, see so if i can get back and you can have the uh shit your shitcoin indicator yes doge 13.6 United States pennies. So that's what you can figure out the rest of the shitcoin world is doing. <coughs> 4,000 transactions waiting on four blocks to clear. $392.2 billion of market cap is 3.6% of gold's market cap. And if you so choose, you may purchase 12.5 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,195,398.42 of. of those little bad boys are chilling out in the lightning network valued at $104.8 million being run over 16,509 nodes or sporting 78,792 payment channels and 66.6. Oh God, the number of the beast percent of that is all running over Tor. Now, in case you did not know, we have yet a second attack on LND. My lightning node is offline. It's offline, and I'm not going to be able to get it back online until the good folks over at my node uh, wrap together a patch that includes a patch for LND 0.15.4, 0.15.4, not 3.4, the last update was uh, taking us from 15.1 to 15.2, which was the last time LND was attacked. This is a different attack. This has something to do with a transaction that was not a huge, massive, major transaction. It exploited something else. So where are we at on that? Well, let's get to that. Before we start the next news segment, I'll see you over there. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Okay. So we were talking about lightning and LND. This has something to do with the LND, uh, Damon, which is what happened before. Okay. It wasn't it wasn't any of the other uh, offerings of, or versions of Lightning of which there are like three or four, okay? This was is LND again, all right? Now, the, the odd thing about this particular Lightning transaction that caused all the snafuery has embedded in the, me, in the transaction a message that says, you will run CLD and you will be happy. All right, this seems to be, to me, uh, a reference to Core Lightning Development, which is another implementation of the Lightning Network, and I guarantee you that the guys over at Core Lightning Development did not make that transaction. Why can I guarantee it? Because they're working on the same fucking team, people. Whoever did this transaction looks to me like they're trying to start some bad blood between LND and and the core lightning developers or the the core lightning implementation don't fall for it and tell your friends not to fall for it in fact get on whatever you know outlet that you have and tell people to not pay this shit any attention other than to get their node back up back up and running and maybe this is what was happening with the, you know, the decrease that I'm seeing in the nodes as of yesterday and today, be that as it may. The core Lightning develop, development team doesn't have any beef with LND, and LND doesn't have any beef with core Lightning developers, the, the other implementation. They're not enemies. I think, here's what I think is, is going on. I think Lightning is now officially under attack like Bitcoin has been under attack for a very, very long time. We've, nobody disputes this with the amount of FUD going on and the environmental calamity that we supposedly cause and all that shit. We're clearly under attack as Bitcoiners. But now as lightningers or whatever the hell you're going to call us, on that front, we are now officially under attack. I don't know if it's state level. Don't care. Doesn't matter. It's another attack. So now we're getting hammered on two fronts. We're going to be hammered, continuously hammered on the Bitcoin front. And we're used to that. We got a tough skin now. But lightning is new. The lightning attack is new rather, right? Get prepared, people. You better go change into your big girl panties. Put on a fresh pair of duds. And get ready to roll in a different direction. Because this shit's happening right? Lightning has basically rolled along for, you know, a few years without really anything going on. And all of a sudden, within a month, I got two LND attacks. And this one, the second attack seems to implicate that the core lightning developers had something to do with it. They didn't. This looks to me like a state level attack because it's pitting brother against brother. That's how they do this shit. Don't fall for it and tell your friends not to fall for it and continuously refute everything a state-level actor says about lightning development, about how, because it's coming, how core is going to take over lightning or, how, or LND or how LND is going to destroy core. None of that shit is true. Refute it every turn. Now, that said, let's figure out what the hell's going on with Pick and Pay. Leading South African retailer, Pick and Pay starts accepting Bitcoin. Yay, Bitcoin Magazine. And it's written by Namcios. Customers in South Africa can now use their Bitcoin to purchase regular daily goods at a local food retailer, Pick and Pay, one of South Africa's largest retailers, has started rolling out Bitcoin payments in its stores, extending a pilot that began with 10 locations five months ago to a total of 39. Local news outlet Sunday Times reported the retailer said it plans to enable the payment options in all of its stores in the coming months. In addition to supporting on-chain Bitcoin transactions, Pick and Pay's enabled payment gateway also allows customers to pay with, you guessed it, lightning wallets, a move that turns even the smallest of payments feasible. With its usage broadly showcased in the adoption of Bitcoin by El Salvador last year, Lightning reduces transaction costs to a minimum while ensuring nearly instantaneous settlements. Customers can use the Bitcoin or Lightning wallet of their choice. Quote, the transaction is as easy and secure as swiping a debit or credit card. Customers scan a QR code from the app and accept the RAND conversion rate on their smartphone at the time of the transaction, pick and pay said per the report. Quote, uh, or rather, end quote, <clears throat> pick and pay added that it will charge a small service fee for payments in BTC, costing the customer on average 70 cents. It says 70 C. I'm not sure what that is of the local currency per the report, which currently translates to about four United States pennies. So there you go. Quote, increasingly, cryptocurrency is being used by those underserved by traditional banking systems or by those wanting to pay and exchange money in a cheaper and really convenient way. Many companies are responding to this by accepting Bitcoin, Pick and Pay said in a statement according to the Reuters report. Pick and Pay has almost 2,000 stores across the country, Business Insider South Africa reported. The firm has a 16% market share of the country's formal food and grocery sector per the report. Two things, start considering not shopping at grocery stores and finding your own local farmers and beef and uh, lamb and chicken and, you know, guys that, that farm this stuff and buy from them. And yes, I know, really inconvenient. But this kind of goes back to what I was saying when we started this whole show in the first place. How convenient was the earth supposed to be? Was there like an off-ramp, like to the soul of the human that said, hey, get off here, it's fucking easy. No, I don't think so. We didn't have a choice. I didn't see an, an, an off-ramp or an on-ramp. When I was, uh, when, when, you know, when I was born, cause I, was, I, I kind of wasn't, don't remember anything being born and I sure as shit didn't have any, don't have any memories of me being thrust into the body that I'm in right now when I was like a little bitty baby, right? I, I, I don't remember any of that shit. I think the real question I'm supposed to be asking here is how convenient is life supposed to be? How convenient should it get? How healthy should we expect to be? And for how long before we get sick, Yeah. You know? but this is good for Bitcoin. I'm just saying, I just like, I just want to reiterate that whole point. Do we really, are we really serving ourselves well by looking for the most convenient way out? I'm not sure about that anymore. One thing I am sure of is that Bukele may be making a grave mistake. El Salvador's Bitcoin purchase information cannot be made public as per the trustee Arjit Sarkar, Cointelegraph. Ever since El Salvador legalized Bitcoin as mainstream tender, President Nayib Bukele used Twitter on numerous occasions to announce the country's BTC acquisitions. However, oh my God. However, ALAC El Salvador, a non-governmental anti-corruption bureau was recently denied information from a state development bank, Bandesol, regarding El Salvador's Bitcoin purchases and sales. As a development bank for El Salvador, Bandesol created a $150 million trust fund to guarantee the convertibility to dollars for citizens and merchants. The request for disclosure of El Salvador's Bitcoin acquisition was denied on grounds of confidentiality. ALAC El Salvador refuted the denial by highlighting that the BTC purchases were made using public funds. Their official statement translated to, quote, the confidentiality limits the possibility for citizens to access and receive information on the operations carried out with public funds by Bandasell." End quote. In its refusal statement, Bandesal said that no information related to the Bitcoin trust could be shared by the trustee or its board of directors to safeguard national interests. Publicly available information hints that El Salvador purchased 2,301 BTC to date, which has fallen in value over the past year from $103.9 million to $45 million adding on to the country's piling pressure to surface its year-long Bitcoin purchases, Spain took over El Salvador's spot to become the third largest crypto ATM hub in the world. I don't know why that's in there. El Salvador attained the third spot after installing 205 ATMs. How did we, how are we getting to ATMs? All right, I'm just going to end it right there because it's, that's the last paragraph. Okay, okay, okay. Here's here's what, there's only two ways that they, this can go, right? They've got the BTC and they're not going to let anybody see it for whatever reason. Or they don't want anybody to see it because of serious nefarious shit going on behind the scenes. I don't know. I don't pretend to know, I don't purport to know, I don't know Nayib Bukele, I don't know anybody whatsoever in the El Salvadoran government, but this looks bad. This is not good optics, it never will be good optics for any country at all, and if he fucks this up and makes Bitcoin look bad, I'm not going to be a happy man when it comes to Nayib Bukele. So what's the solution? A, you better hope you actually have the Bitcoin that you said you bought, and B, You make sure everybody knows because they can see it. You open this shit up to your own little federal government guys that are requesting the information and you tell band assault, fuck straight off that they're going to show everybody the ledger. And then you're going to have an entire prove it party and you're going to invite all the Bitcoiners or, you know, many of the Bitcoiners and you're going to have a huge party and you're going to do, I don't know, a Bitcoin amount reveal. And you're going to prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt by signing messages on the accounts that prove that these are the accounts that El Salvador controls. And if you can't do that, we're talking Craig Wright level bullshit. And I'm tired of humans always fucking this up. It's not hard. This isn't rocket science, Naive Kelly. It's not. It's easy to be honest. It's hard to cover up dishonesty that's where it's hard it's so e- the truth is easy it just hurts but the truth is easy cuz you don't have to remember the lie if you're covering shit up like you sold it and you don't own it or you transferred it to one of your I don't know your cousin or something like that that's that's the lie that you have to live with for the rest of your life and that's a burden that's why God says the truth will set you free. You're unburdened. You don't have to carry anything with you. You can just say, you know what? I sold it to my cousin. I gave it to my cousin and we bought a yacht. You okay? You caught me. You caught me. And then step down as president and get the fuck out of the country as fast as you can and hope that they don't track your ass down. Okay. But at least you came clean. But I'm not saying, I'm not saying that that's what happened. I don't know. Right, but this shit doesn't look good. And if he fucks this up, it's gonna make Bitcoin look bad again. And I'm just tired of it, man. Why can't you just tell the truth? Why is it so hard? God damn it, these people like fucking Coinbase is backing Ripple against the SEC. Of all people, I mean, I expected naked mole rat to be a complete asshole, but Coinbase is backing Ripple. Against the SEC, Andrew Asmikoff from Decrypt, Coinbase is backing yet another crypto firm, adding more pressure from the crypto industry on the SEC. It is almost two years since Ripple Labs, the company which develops the Ripple payment protocol, has been fighting the high-profile lawsuit filed by the SEC. The growing number of Ripple backers now looks even stronger after the United States' largest crypto exchange, Coinbase, moved to get regulatory approval to help the firm in its battle. Oh, it's battle against the commission. The case revolves around the alleged violations for selling its XRP token as an unregistered security. That's all we really need to know here, ladies and gentlemen, is that naked mole rat Brian Armstrong and his bullshit company, Coinbase, has taken sides. And they're taking it to Ripple. Of all, I mean, shit, I'd rather back the SEC than those chunk heads over at Ripple. My God almighty, do you have no shame? It's just one thing after another, like this goddamn rug pull on Aptos. <laughs> no, seriously. Is, is it the first rug pull on Aptos? Aptos Chimps Have Reportedly Been Drained, author Jordan Lyancha from Crypto Potato reports right as the weekend was about to start, Crypto Twitter sounded the alarm on a possible rug pull scam on Aptos, the relatively new blockchain environment touted as a Solana killer. Aptos is a layer one POS blockchain built by two former devs from the DM group, Mo Shaikh and Avery Chang. The pair reportedly worked on developing Libra Diem, Meta's now defunct stablecoin project. Yeah, because you had to go fleece the masses. Although Diem was halted due to regulatory pressure, uh, the two devs allegedly saw potential in the tech they'd worked on and opted to continue to project them or to continue the project by themselves, ultimately creating aptos. In a Twitter post by DGens.apt. A fan page for the Aptos community. The alarm was sounded about a potential drain of 1.5 million APT tokens by Aptos Chimp. Another NFT project looking to capitalize on the stupidity of man. Oh, I'm sorry. On both the popularity of bored apes and the hype factor of a new blockchain. Again, I don't have to go any further than this. We're at an hour. And it's just been one shit show after another, right? We're <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's... Let's just end it. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Dad Dad says jokes. You're living, you occupy space, and have mass. What does that mean? You matter. Not as funny as usual, but it brings me back around to the beginning of the episode. Life is a bitch and it always will be. It always has been. And it is right now, especially. We've been lulled into thinking that everything should be safe. That's my opinion. And because of that, that causes problems when something, you know, weird comes around, like, you know, COVID, right? You know, look what it's done. It's destroyed the world's economy. And there's no coming back from this, y'all. Uh, there's just not. They, they, you know, central banks have printed ourselves into oblivion, and not without our permission, by the way. You know, global supply chains are so borked right now. I don't know if anybody can sort it out. We'll be lucky to have food after next year, and that's not really fear, uncertainty, and doubt. We've put everything due to our apathy, we've put everything into the hands of somebody we never met because we voted for them. And that, in my opinion, is no replacement for knowing your neighbor, shaking their hand, looking at them in the eye and having a few beers with them to see what kind of person they actually are. Just because I attend a town meeting with AOC doesn't mean that I know anything about that chick, right? Good or bad. Pretty sure she's bad, but I mean, I still don't know. I've never met her. We've just, we've outsourced everything in our lives to everything but ourselves. And therefore it's everybody else's fault when something goes bad. Now, I, I maybe I sound like I'm picking on Fatoshi. I'm not, because he brings up a damn salient point. Yes, it could have been bad. And I guarantee you that some babies died because of COVID. Some babies die every year because of the flu, though. We got to remember that if we if if we don't, it's like we don't have a measuring stick of our past anymore to figure out what used to happen. Like a lot of people don't realize that like the year that the during the actual Woodstock Festival in Woodstock, New York, the famous Woodstock, you know, where Jimi Hendrix and and cream and all those motherfuckers were playing for three days and Janis Joplin and all those guys, we were in the middle of a swine flu pandemic. And these guys are out there in flu season, rolling around in the mud. <laughs> Cause this is like, I think if I remember right, it's early, early fall. Hold on for a second. Let me find out when was Woodstock? Wood stock. <clears throat> Let's see. Not the bird. Uh, let's see, Woodstock, Wikipedia, okay, August 18th, August 15th through August 18th, 1969, okay, but this is, you know, upper New York, it ain't exactly warm weather in August, like way up there where Woodstock was, and it really wasn't during this particular time, because it was raining the entire time, so you got these guys, you got the hundreds of thousands of people, how many people attended? 400,000 people attended Woodstock in the middle of a swine flu pandemic that was very lethal. It wasn't kind of lethal. It was very lethal. And I'll bet you my ass that a whole host of people out of Woodstock got sick with swine flu, and I'll bet some of them died. Why are we freaking out about it now and not then? Eh, they're probably more informationally connected now than we were back then. That's, that's a given. So clearly our, you know, one of the drawbacks of being this informationally connected, uh, is the speed and rapidity at which, you know, we react to things, you know, would have taken by, by the time anybody found out if anybody from Woodstock died of the swine flu. And there was like, like, let's say there was like 10 or 12 of them, or even 120 or even say, let's say out of 400,000, that 12, 1200 people died. No, that would raise some eyebrows, but I guarantee you by the time somebody was even thinking about collecting that information and that information had been made available, ABC, NBC, CBS, and PBS in the United States as news networks would have moved on to something else entirely. We were still in the middle of the Vietnam War, right? We were talking about body counts and assholes throwing, you know, ace of spade cards on dead Vietnamese bodies, right? We've been living a lie, living in a lie and living for a lie for so long. We don't know what truth looks like, guys. And again, this is, Fatoshi brings up a, a salient point because it's like, it really does kind of gel in my mind. Where are we at? You know, my own wife, my own sister, you know, they they buy into a lot of the bullshit and that I cannot buy into. So what do I do? I got to hold my tongue. Otherwise, I end up in a fight and I don't want to fight. Why don't I want to fight? Because I want it to be easy. Because I fell into the trap of thinking everything should be easy. It's probably not supposed to be easy. Building a business from what I understand is not easy. Ask me how I know. It's not. It's not easy and it's prone to failure. And only an idiot like me would still be doing this podcast and not making any money of it off of it because I have to do it. I don't know why I should be doing so. I, I could go, I don't know, I guess I could go be a carpenter or something like that. I don't know. All I know is that I feel like I'm exactly where I need to be, doing exactly what I need to be doing for the exact reasons I need to be doing it. But it's hard to look at the past four years and go, dude, this shit's... You know, and, and have me not, it's hard for me to not look at the past four years as an absolute abject failure. It's hard for me to do that because for me to not do that, I have to look at something other than money to success. And this goes, this plays into all of this. I know it sounds like all these different things that I'm talking about, but they're not. They're the same thing. Now, corporate needs you to identify these two different pictures. (laughs) They're the same picture. They are. They're the exact same picture. It's not supposed to be easy. Fear happens. Death happens. My dad wasn't supposed to die of cancer when he died of cancer. He wasn't. That's what I think. My dad should still be alive, but he's not. My mom died of cancer when when I was 21 years old. She shouldn't be dead, but she is. I have no say about that. My uncle, when I was, favorite uncle, by the way, the guy that taught me how to chop down a tree, build a fire and put the fire out and do soil samples. He died when I was eight, broke my heart. I was eight years old. He broke my heart. Died of a massive heart attack. Massive heart attack probably because of exposure to DDT and Agent Orange and some other stuff that he was working with when he, when he was with the United States Forest Service and the Department of the Interior. Because guess what? We, he was one of the guys that would demonstrate how to use Agent Orange before, during the Vietnam War when it was introduced. But he did it in New Mexico. We were poisoning some of our own forest as a demonstration of the efficacy of Agent Orange, if you didn't know. He was one of the guys that did it. So he was directly exposed to all that shit. Fucking massive heart attack crushed me. Should he be dead? No, but I got to deal with it. It's that's the reality. Death is part of reality. So think about that. How should we be thinking going into the future? What is our time preference? What is your definition of wealth? Because I can almost guarantee you that 100% of everything that we've been taught to believe is a fucking lie. And that we've been completely distracted and that we are on a road that we should never have been placed upon. That we should be on the other road that doesn't even look like a road. It looks more like a rocky path that you actually have to break a sweat walking up. And all of us, me included, okay? I'm not saying you guys, all of us have been deluded and have continued to delude ourselves. For what reason? I don't know, but I don't care what the reason is. All I know is what I've come to be aware of and what I've come to be aware of is that we shouldn't be living like this. We shouldn't be terrified all the time. We shouldn't be talking about what's fair and unfair all the time and who's wealthy and who's not wealthy all the time when we should be talking about what does fair even mean and what is wealth. Been, I've heard four people in the last two weeks say that they feel wealthy when they have two, stocker, you know, two floor lockers full of frozen meat. That They feel wealthy when they have a whole shit ton of food canned up and ready to go for the year. That they feel wealthy when they look out in their backyard and they don't see grass. They see a vegetable garden that is highly productive. That's wealth to them. Because no matter how rich you are, if the Whole Foods is out of food, you're out of food. Right? You will have to do a fuck ton of work to go get food as a wealthy person because chances are good you don't know anybody that raises beef. Chances are good you don't know a farmer. You just know that you send your personal assistant down to Whole Foods. And if that's wealth to you, that's the most frail, fragile, non-wealth wealth wealth that you could possibly ever have. And when I think of things like that, that's when I realize that, man, we got to do something different. We got to start thinking in completely different ways. make sacrifices that aren't really sacrifices. We, I think that maybe I'm making a sacrifice right now with this show and like I was telling you that it's an abject failure, is it? It is if I think it is, but it's not if I think it's not. I make my own reality, ladies and gentlemen, you should make yours too. I'll see you on the other side.